If you've got any more questions, please ask me or uh, Brother Ronnie. We'll get you an answer, okay? And we'll begin reading with verse number 17. <coughs> but let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us right quickly and just get on right on into the message. Um, Brother Grady, how about you leading us to the throne of grace? Oh, yes. Amen, amen. If you look at Genesis chapter 37 in verses 12 through 17, I'll not read them, but you'll find that Joseph is sent to Shechem to see his brethren by his father. And uh, he said, I want you to go see if it's well with your brethren and check on the flocks and bring me word again. And he sent him out of the vale of Hebron. He came to Shechem. Well, when he got there, he found his brothers wasn't there. But they had went to Dothan. And let's take up the reading at about verse number 17 tonight. And the men said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when he saw him, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him, cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it and delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Now, it's not the message, but... Reuben said, no, no, boys, let's, let's not kill him. Lord gosh, don't kill him. So let's put him in a pit. And Reuben's idea was, when they had left, <clears throat> he was going to circle back, throw a rope down, get it, Joseph out of the pit, and take him back home. And that was his plan. And they took him, cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Now, I want you to note something in the next verse. The love of these brethren had for him. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going down to Egypt. 
these fellows had such a hatred, they throw him in a pit. And the Bible's very clear, there's no water in it. You have to understand something. You can live without food, but you can't live without water. And they sat down, had lunch, him down in his pit. I mean, with brothers like that, you don't need enemies, amen? Now, notice verse 32. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This how we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. They had stripped Joseph of that coat of many colors, and they ripped it up, and they soaked it in blood, animal's blood. And they take it to the father. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. And they take it to the father. He said, Dad, is this Joseph's coat? And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt written in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes. <coughs> Excuse me. And put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his sons, son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go down into the grave upon my, uh, to my son mourning. Thus did his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt in a Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Tonight, with the help of God, I want to preach on when God's plans is the pits. When God's plan is the pits. And that text verse, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. And there was no water in it. We don't tend to think of that being God's plan. But in fact, that's exactly what it was. Have you ever asked the question, who's in charge? When you look at the life of Joseph, one might ask that same question. Lord, who's in charge here? During World War II, a soldier angrily demanded... Why doesn't God stop this war? A Christian soldier standing by answered, Why should he? He didn't start it. People blame God for a whole lot of things in life. A lot of them they don't understand. And they accuse him of trouble that a lot of times they just don't understand. Yet God, in his main, in his great providence and sovereign will, does work. And I'm amazed at this story because man's actions, don't miss this, man's actions never changes or diminishes the sovereignty of God. Because God is in control. He's sovereign, means all-powerful. I love 2 Corinthians 9-11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Second Corinthians four fifteen. For all things 
God for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. That word redound means to excel, to exceed, to flow over. It means it keeps growing and growing and growing. Perhaps if you were here or perhaps where you're at tonight, you ask, is this really for my good? Have you ever been in a situation where you ask, is this really? Is this really for my good? Oh, or you ask the question, am I thankful for this? Had you been in the bottom of that pit and there's no water, would you, could you say, I'm thankful for this? We find a young man here that God is using. And the Bible says and, and, and tells us how we navigate all these things remains the real key. Tonight, how you navigate through these things. And they're going to come. They're going to come. Oh, you may not find yourself in a pit, but you may feel like you're in a pit tomorrow. You may you know, have a circumstance that you're not sure what to do with and you, it don't make sense to you. <coughs> it's a circumstance that you, you, can't, you can't wrap your head around it, you know. And the reality is you, we, we all could be there tomorrow. And the challenge is can we see God's Plan in it. That word redound means to excel, to, to uh, exceed, to flow over. And there's a verse in the Bible. Now, of course, we understand something tonight. That Joseph is the greatest Old Testament type of Jesus in the Bible. By hands down, the greatest type of our Lord and Savior. Listen to what the Bible says in John 1.11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Notice with me, first of all, in the life of Joseph here, and how it corresponds with that verse. First of all, he came unto his own. May I remind you, that's part, this is part of God's plan. <coughs> this is part of God's plan. Verse 12, the Bible says, And his brethren went to feed their flock, their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Do not thy brothers feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, seek whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. A lot of times we read the life of Joseph, and we have a tendency to think that he didn't care anything about Joseph. He didn't, he, he didn't really care for him at all. I mean, care about the other brothers, only cared about Joseph. But that's not so. 
This old man is concerned about his sons and they're in Shechem. Notice with me about Joseph. Gummed, he came unto his own. This was his brethren. This was his family. First of all, we see no reserve. Here am I. Now, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we'll just read over these verses because we, we, they don't, we don't apply or seem to, to study them out. That word Hebrew means fellowship. You can understand quickly, Joseph is in Hebron and he's in fellowship with the Father. There was a time that Jesus was in fellowship with God the Father in heaven. But notice here, the Bible says he sent him out of the veil of Hebron. The veil, of he- the veil speaks of the protection of Hebron. In other words, He's leaving a place of protection and going to a very dangerous place. His father was willing to send his well-beloved son to a very dangerous place. It's all in the will of God. If you'll remember, Shechem was that place where Jacob's daughter Dinah lost her moral innocence and Simon and Levi lost her moral integrity. It was there that Jacob went when he left Esau. When he should have went to the father's side, he didn't. He didn't go home. He went to Shechem. I won't be late this way. I won't stay here is what I'm trying to say. But Shechem, the Bible says, he built houses. It's in the word of God. He didn't go to visit, he went to stay. But he's out of the will of God. And Dinah went out, his daughter, to, the, to, to Shechem, and the king's son saw her, liked her, slept with her, and literally, he said, I want that woman. So the leader of that country come to Jacob and said, my sons want her. He slept with her. He wants her as his wife. So they sat down and come up with an agreement. And may I say this? We got no business trying to agree with this world, amen? If you're a Christian, You'll never agree with this world. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he went. And the sons come and said, he said, we can't do this unless you are circumcised. So the next day, all of them got circumcised. And the next day, they went in and killed every male in Shechem. And Jacob flees with his boys to Hebron. And now he sends his well-beloved son. Time out. Time out. Watch them boys feeding their sheep, their cattle, their livestock, and shake them in the first place. They got no business in shake them in the 
first place is a dangerous place. They have killed every male in the city. And here these boys have gone to Shechem and Jacob sends Joseph to see. And what's amazing, he had no reserve. Here I am. I'm going. He didn't question, didn't argue, had no reserves about going because his father asked him. Can I remind you, Jesus come to this sin cursed world with no reserve. Amen. Amen. And by the way, Jesus come to a dangerous place. You know why? Because they'll crucify him. But you know what? He came because he loved us. Amen. Is a place of bad memories for Jacob. Is a place where where all of this had, had, had transpired. And now Joseph, Joseph, he said, "Just go check on your brethren." No wonder, no wonder he sent Joseph. But what he didn't understand was he was all in God's will. Jesus said unto them, "My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me, and to finish His work." Psalms 48, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, the law is within my heart. So he sent him out from the vale of Hebron, a place of fellowship to a dangerous place. God's right here. No, notice it. It was a place of no return. Shechem actually means shoulder. It brings us to understand that Shechem is a place of burden bearing. Shoulders where they, you bear burdens. And Joseph left the fellowship of Hebron and, his, and all of his fellowship and willingly come to a place to be a bearer of burdens. Oh, I want you to know something. If Christ did anything, not only did he save us, but he came to bear our burdens. As a matter of fact, the Lord said this, who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should be live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. And Jesus continues to be the burden bearer. I love this verse. Don't miss it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Do you understand the Lord cares about you? Do you understand he cares about you? And so we find he came to his own and that was part of God's plan. But notice, his own received him not. Stop, I hear. God still remains in control. I want you to help you and I want you to, don't, don't miss this. We have this ideal. We have this thinking. I agree with that. Hey, I agree with that. Do you really believe that changes God at all? Do you really do you really believe? That's going to change God's plan. Do you really believe 
Because you don't believe something, it changes the word of God. Do, do you really believe because of your attitude you're going to move God to say, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm telling you, God ain't doing that. God's got a plan. And that plan's going to be worked. God had a plan here. He's still in control. Notice, and when they saw him afar off, even before they came near him, quickly now, somebody hollered out, how did they know it's him? Coat. Coat, many colors. That coat, that coat gave him away. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Time out. Stay with me. Who gave Joseph the dream? So, they said, Behold, the dreamer cometh. Notice what they said in the next verse. Come now therefore, let us slay him. Cast him in some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. You know what they're saying? They're saying, We got the power to change what God has given him to come to pass. Apparently, Jacob grossly misunderstood his own children and what was in their heart. I think he failed to understand the depravity and wickedness and the hatred they had for Joseph. Hold it now, let me have time. God the Father didn't, that didn't happen when Jesus come. He knew what we were. And still sent him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But Jacob, no doubt, could not comprehend the hatred they had for Joseph. He failed to know his own children. I want every parent to listen to me now. Sadly, some things have never changed. We must know our own children, but also the human heart which our children obviously possess. Passive parenting appears to be the model that Jacob used. Listen to what he done. He didn't act when he learned that Reuben infidelity with his own wife. Reuben went into one of Jacob's wives and and slept with her. He didn't, he didn't act. He didn't respond when Simon and Levi lied and took the lives of these men of Shechem. He did nothing. He stood by and did nothing. We see no course of action taken when Joseph brought back the fact of evil reports about the brethren. Jacob did nothing when Dinah 
slipped off to the neighbors and slept around. Jacob is the kind of parent that's passive. And passive parenting didn't work for Jacob. And it doesn't work for you either. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And that's true. Let me help you tonight. You need to know where your children's friends are and what they're, how they're influencing your child. You need to know what your child's doing on the internet. in the room. I'd go in that room or, or, or bust a gut trying. Not just with him. You ought, to, you ought to know what they're watching. on. You ought to know what's on their cell phone, what they're messaging. I wonder, just, just, just in a moment, I wonder what it would do if I said, okay, every young person that's got a cell phone, Take your cell phone right now and give it to your mother. And I showed you how to go to it and pull up everything they've said and, twi- and text in the last two weeks. How many would people say, No, it's my phone! I wonder how many husbands and wives would have a problem if I said, Give your phone to your wife. Check anything you want to. It's time. We talk to these young people today about making good choices. Bless God, it's time we make good choices. Amen. It's it's just preaching time now. Let me tell you how how, how this junk starts. You know how affairs start? That first text. Yeah. And, And listen, sir. She tells you that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and you look like Hulk Hogan. She's a lion like a dog. <laughs> Amen. She's a lion. She's a lion. Hey, man, when he tells you you're, 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 uh, uh, you're the greatest thing and you're beautiful, uh, he's a lion. He just wants something. Boy, did it time we just started making good choices. Not only as young people, but as Christians as well. You're, you're a Christian. You're a part of this church. You ought to make good choices. You ought to make good choices. And Joseph's brothers were like a powder keg. And all they needed was a spark. And they see him coming. And they're mad. And they're angry. And they said, let's kill him. And Reuben said, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. And there's no water. I believe the reason God put that statement there to tell me and you this. They meant for him to die. They didn't mean for him to live. Had they wanted him to live, they would have dropped a canister of water down there for him. There's no water down there. See, can you hear Joseph as he approaches? Hey, boys! Dad sent me to check on you. He misses you. He sent me to tell you that he loves you. Jesus said that he was sent to the lost 
sheep of the house of Israel. Instead of showing kindness, they grabbed him, ripped that coat off of him, and they threw him down in a pit and sat down and ate their lunch in front of him. Who in the world's in control here? <laughs> Come on now. Is God here? Is this God? Is this God's will? Is this God's plan? <laughs> I almost hate to tell you, but it is. That's why I got the title. When God's plans is the pits. I don't we don't we don't sign up for those. We don't ask for them. I, I watched this church for twenty seven years. And I watched things that's been pits around here time and time again. Never seen somebody come and say, Why? I asked God for that and He said it. <laughs> Never. I've had a lot of people come and say, Why? Why is God doing this? That's God's plan. That pit was God's plan for Joseph. It wasn't. I, I, I struggle with that. God knows my heart. I'm. I'm just human, but I look at that and I say, that, that just don't make a lick of sense to me. But it don't have to. Moses saw himself as deliverer of Israel at the age of 40. But then he found himself on the backside of a desert uh, until he was 80 years old. He, 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 God said, you're going to deliver. And then for 40 years, he sticks him on the backside of the desert. That's where Matthew's at now, on the backside of the desert. David was anointed king over Israel when he was a teenager. But he found himself hiding in the cave for his life and then living with the Philistines before a long-lived king's child ever come his direction. Bible says this, oh, John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He came to his own, part of God's plan. His own received him not. God's still in control. And last of all, God's plan moves forward. And it started in a pit. Who do we have tonight, 17 years of age? 17? All right. Okay, good. Just, just jump up there. Just, just hop up there. Loudly. Okay. Joseph's journey started when he was his age. God's great plan is starting to unfold and he's 17 years old. You can be seated.
And it starts in a pit. And Judas said unto his brethren, What profit is he if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. And they passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into, into Egypt. And he, returned unto, and he returned to his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And, and Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he ran his clothes, and he returned to his brother and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? In other words, he said, I come back, the boy's gone. What'd you do with him? They sold him. He's in Potiphar's house now. And while none would suspect it, why it doesn't look like God was, can I help you? When nothing in our world of feelings seems right, God's still moving his plan forward. Do you understand tonight that God's will is greater than what you feel? And your, your feelings are deceptive. Alfred Erdenshim wrote, Yet though known to God were all these, his works from the beginning, all parties were allowed in free exercise of their own choice to follow their course, ignorant that all the while they were only contributing their share toward the fulfillment of God's purpose. And in this lies the mystery of divine providence that it always works wonders, yet without seeming to work at all, whence also it so seems to escape the observation of men. You know what he's simply saying? Can I tell you this? He says, God's always working, and we don't even see it a lot of times or recognize it, but God's working. And He's working wonders. We just don't see it. God's working wonders here. For a 17-year-old boy. Oh, so the, the conclusion, are you still asking the question? Who's in charge here? I tell you who's in charge. God's in charge. Has the providence of God escaped your, your observation? Can I ask a simple question? Are you confused? Frustrated with the circumstances you're at right now? Why don't you ask God to let you see what He wants you to see during this time? And that's His divine will. And just as easily as we see the life of Christ unfold before us in the life of Joseph, we can trust the life of Christ is unfolding in us. God was in control then, and He's in control now. And trust me, He's still in control of your life. Question is, when are you going to figure that out? When are you going to figure that out?
I'm reading a book that has absolutely challenged my heart to no end. It is absolutely. Strangely enough, it was written by a woman in 1832. Her name was Hannah Williams Smith. Whitehall. William, I mean, Hannah Whitehall Smith. And it's called The Secret to the Christian's Happy Life. Now, I read a lot of books. And, but this book has absolutely challenged me probably as much as any book I've read in a long time. I mean, it's just challenged me. And one of the things he challenges is the fact that God is truly sovereign and in control. And God wants the best for you. And God wants to work in your life. And a lot of times God is working in our life. We're just so busy doing it ourselves that we just don't see Him doing that. Talks about trusting God. I mean truly trusting There's God's part and man's part. God's part, man's part is this, to just trust God. And God's part is to do the work. But the problem with that is this. We do our part and then we want to run over here and help God do His part. We're not content standing on our side of the fence and just trusting God. We want to run over and help Him do His part. Tonight, Joseph, he's in a pit. He's gotten out of the pit. He's been sold. And now he's in Egypt. He's in Potiphar's house. And it doesn't look like God's in a thousand miles of nowhere this. And all along, it's God's plan moving him forward. And we'll look again next week at how God is moving. Next few weeks, we're looking how God does work in this young man's life. But he starts now. And guess where it started? Man, it's going to start now. He's going to have a revival meeting. He's going to shout it out and get going. No. <laughs> it started in a pit. God's plan was in the pit. It's all standing to their feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.